Good morning to all of you this morning. This painting that is uh, here was painted last night in about an hour and a half. And um, the young man who did that, um, Marcus uh, Zutter, he, um, I don't know his, he's a spiritual man, but I don't know his background. But he came and he did this for us. And we would like to invite him to do other things for us as well. Um, you certainly are welcome to look at it, but please do not touch. Okay, do not touch. So I don't have your fingerprints till we get it fixed. All right. So good morning. This morning, would you please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 11. We were working through the deliverance of Christ, excuse me, of Israel as the deliverance that was coming forward for that. And as you recall, we had um, had a discussion between the plagues between Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh. And what had happened was that Pharaoh ordered him to never come back in again, never to come make his appearance before him. And he uh, said, if you do, I will kill you. And Moses said, that's fine, you'll never see my face again. As you came, verse, uh, ver chapter uh, 11, verse 1, And now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague. I feel like I'm a little loud. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I will bring one, more, uh, bring one more plague to Pharaoh and on Egypt. And after that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you out completely. Go and prepare, his idea was. The Lord said, go and prepare Israel for their deliverance. And then he ordered, he wanted and sent and said, now go and tell Pharaoh. Go in and make your appearance one more time, even though there was a death threat on Moses that if he ever appeared again, he would go. But God was not afraid. God is not afraid of us, of what this world could ever do. He's not afraid, and so he's, you go in and you tell Pharaoh, you make an appearance unto him, and you go tell him. So he went back there. I appreciate Charleston Heston taking these uh, pictures for us to help us understand this. So verse 4, so Moses said, and he went before Pharaoh, said, this is what the Lord said. He's talking to Pharaoh. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt, and every firstborn in Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of a female slave, who is at her uh, mill, hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. And there will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has been or ever will be again, he said. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or any animal. Then the Lord said to Pharaoh, then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel, his people. And all the officials, verse 8, and all the officials of yours will come to me bowing down before me and say, go, you and all the people who follow you, and after that I will leave. And then the Bible says that Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. 
stunned him that he would have the boldness to appear before him again after he was told, you're going to be killed if you ever appear. He went in boldly before him, and the presence of the Spirit of God was with him as he went before him. All right, go into chapter 12. We'll go right on to chapter 12. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, the month is to be for you the first month. The first month of your year. Now, they followed a lunar calendar, not a solar calendar. We are on a solar calendar. We follow the Roman calendar. So they followed a lunar calendar. So there was one every 30 days. As a moon would go around, they would uh, be a new moon. To, so it's from new moon to new moon, they would talk. So on the, this day, this time, this place, when you go, this is where we start. The new moon starts. So now we're starting to go. And so that starts this month. And then he went on, verse 3, tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, I want you to notice this carefully. Because this is important. God specifically said that on the 10th day, on the 10th day of that month, in the first month, each man is to take a lamb for his family. One for each household. Now he was to take and set aside this lamb. Take and pull it. So on the 10th day, they would select the lamb. Right? Remember that. On the 10th day, they would select the lamb. And then the animals that you choose would be one-year-old males without defect. We would say, maybe you have in the King James Version, without spot and without blemish. And so what they would do is they would take the animal and they would sit and they would go through it with their fingers. They'd go through and make sure there was no marks on it, that there was no scars. They'd go through and make sure, well, this little lamb maybe have been around your children and the children may have played, it, played with it, may have fed it, may have taken care of it. But you're to select that lamb, that innocent lamb. And he said, this time you can take among the sheep or the goats because we, it's okay, either one. Now we look and we understand that they were preparing the sacrificial lamb. Understanding. So the sacrificial lamb that was going to be offered was going to, and was going to be killed, happened on, I mean, uh, that it was selected on the 10th day. Set aside, the Bible says, set aside it on the 10th day of the month. 10th day of the month. The decision to kill Jesus was made on the 10th day of that month. The Bible says specifically, and they got together and they set aside and determined to kill Jesus. When did that happen? Exactly on the 10th day of the month. Fulfillment of the great things said to Israel. And when they would choose that lamb, every year, every year, including the time when Jesus was going to go to the cross because Passover would be on Sabbath, I mean on Friday, Passover would be, they were choosing the lamb 10 days ahead. And the priests on that very, whether they knew what was going on, probably not, not realizing that they too were setting aside the Lamb of God on the 10th day. Exactly. 
Exactly when Israel, Israel, all of Israel was setting aside their lamb for their sacrifice. Then take them and take care of them until the 14th day of the month when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight, at the close of the day, they are to be slain. Interesting. They are to be slain on the 14th day. Passover day. Interesting that they, they would be that, that at the close of the day happened as slaughter. So they take this. It is estimated there was probably 100,000 lambs that were slain at the time of Christ's death. The blood flowed like a river. Well, what happened at twilight? Twilight was significant at sunset, coming at the end of the day. And on the 14th day, at twilight, Christ was removed from the cross before the Sabbath hours would begin. And then back in verse 7, and then they are to take some of the blood and to put it on the sides, and they put it on the tops of the door frames where they were to eat the lamb. So you were to mark them, put them up there. In other words, you were covered by the blood of the lamb that you had offered. You would catch it, so they would catch the blood. They'd slit the throat, they'd catch the blood in a bowl. They would take it then and go to the doorpost, and they would take hyssop, which was a plant-like substance that was very prevalent, and they would take it and they'd dip it in the blood, and then they would take and splash it up on the That must have looked ridiculous. So you mark your household with the blood on the top and on the side. And everybody that was in, all the firstborn that were in that house, would be covered by the blood that was on the lamb's blood that was on the doorpost, you see. Unbelievable, these, these things that we were there just hundreds and hundreds of years before Christ came. Marked out. Covered. Covered. Exodus 12, 7 says... Verse 11, this is how you are to eat it, the lamb. You are to cloak, you are your cloak tucked into your belt. Now, you may have it, you are to gird your loins. Do you have that in the King James? You are to gird your loins. So, what they meant by that is you had a sash that you would have around your waist, kind of like a belt. Well, they wore, you know, long gowns like that. They didn't have trousers so much. But they made a trouser. So they would pick up and they would reach the back hem of the garment. They would pick it up and tuck it in their belt. Now this made like a trouser wrapped around. So you could walk easily among the furrows and wheeled and when you fields and when you'd walk around to, to work, you would do that. It was called to to uh, tuck it in and to mark it and to carry that so that your hands would be free and you could work. So the significance of tucking that into your belt, if you were girding your loins, and then you're putting this up in here, and your sandals are to be on your feet, and you'd have the staff in your hand. Why was that important? Because you're going to leave. If you're going out. You're leaving. And the Bible, the Lord tells them, eat in haste. Quickly eat. Because it's the Lord's Passover.
Now, make this connection, if you would. Make this connection. Passover is tied to deliverance. Okay? Passover is tied to deliverance. The shedding of blood, the shedding of the lamb, saved them. It was the blood of the lamb that shielded them from the plague that was to come. So, the Passover to the Jews would always mean deliverance. Their deliverance had come. We have a song. I love this song. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Do you know that song? We won't try to sing it in case you don't, but... What has washed away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What has made me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I hear some of you sing it. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other friends I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. There's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. There's forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. There is power in the blood of Jesus. It washes me white as snow. There is healing in the blood of Jesus. It washes me white as snow. Healing, that beautiful, beautiful song. So that night, says the angel of the Lord, I believe who really passed over was the second person of the Godhead. That it was Jesus who actually passed through. He was the one who came and took the lives. The judge had arrived. He had come. And as you realize, the Israelites risked their lives by trusting in the blood on the doorpost, you see. You get that? See, they, had, they completely were at mercy of that angel passing over. Whether they were going to be slaughtered or not, they trusted that the blood that they had been asked to be put on the doorpost would be enough to save them. I go, yes, it's the blood. The blood. Passover. Jesus was slain. On Passover. Would you uh, now turn to Luke 24? Just going to pick up a little bit here in Luke of the story, Luke 24. And it was now about noon, and darkness came on the whole land until three in the afternoon. And the sun stopped shining, and the curtain in the temple was torn in two ripped open from top to bottom, the Bible says. No longer was the sacrifice needed. No longer was the temple needed because the Lamb of God was on the cross. And Jesus called out 
with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last and died. He was done. And the centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man that we just crucified. Centurion was in charge of the crucifixion. He was a, the centurion means he was the commander over 100 men. Centurion over 100 men. He was a Roman soldier. And so he was the commander of taking care of this, this whole cruise. And when he did, he realized, we have crucified a righteous man. And when all the people who had gathered to witness this saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Stood at a distance watching these women who had traveled down. You look in Luke and, it's, and there's a place called the Travel Narrative. And it's the stories of how Jesus left Galilee and traveled all the way down to the cross on his way. And a group of women went with them, traveled with them, went to see them. My father once told me, Privilege is the power to open doors in my life. However, that all changed the day I met a man who had great power but denied all privilege. He didn't ride in with fanfare and processional. He didn't ride in at all. He walked like everyone else. But he wasn't like everyone else. He touched the people that no one else would even look at. He ate meals with people that others felt only disdain for. Over time, I came to know him. Yet I followed him at a distance. I didn't speak up when they talked nonsense about him. I thought I loved him. But I wouldn't even step out of the shadows to follow him. My fear kept me paralyzed. Can I stay in the shadows any longer? Afraid of what people will think of me? He's dead. On that cross. At Golgotha. His body just hanging there, waiting for a soldier to take him down and throw him in a pit to be buried with criminals. But I will not let that happen. Pilate could kill me just for asking for the body. It may cost me everything. If I get Pilate's permission, then I will go get his body and place it in my tomb. I must, I must do this one thing for him. At least this one thing. 
This is my tomb, where I was supposed to be buried. And today, it will be used. Jesus will fill up the grave meant for me. That's exactly it. He paid the price of death for us. Therefore, when Israel began walking out of Egypt, deliverance came. When Jesus went to the cross, deliverance came to you and me. Dear Lord, I thank you for that beautiful, beautiful thing Jesus did for each of us. It's stunning, Lord. What greater love did you have for us, that you laid down your life for us. The more we think about it, the more we are humbled. The more we think about it, the more we realize how you loved us. Even, even before we were born, you loved us. Father, today as the whole Christian world focuses on, on what you did on the cross, may we too, once again, let you know how much we love you for what you did for us. I thank you, Lord. We thank you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.